Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. As you're finding your place in Romans 13, uh, let me begin by sharing a little story about a five-year-old. And this is a true story. One day we were driving in my car, and I won't say who the parents were. By the way, it wasn't anybody here. But this little five-year-old is sitting in the passenger seat next to me, and because he's so short, he can barely see over the dashboard. And so we're driving along, and about a half mile in the distance, I can see a police car driving toward us. But because he's so short, he doesn't really see it yet. But as it approaches and gets very close, all of a sudden he spots the headlights above the car, and he goes, cops, and he ducks just like that. And I'm looking at him going, where did you learn that? You know, our perception and our response uh, to authority is formed early in life. And in the case of this little boy, authority was someone who was out to get you. And that perception is quite common. I mean, imagine if you get a text from your boss and it says, meet me in my office. That's it. He doesn't say anything else. How would you feel? You might think, "Uh uh-oh. Did I do something? (laughs) Some of us might feel like we're getting called into the principal's office, right? Sometimes we can have negative feelings about authority. And as a result, there can be difficulties in our relationships with our bosses or with our parents or any others that we see as people in authority. Learning how to honor authority is one of the most important lessons in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God rules and reigns. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Meaning when we let him be Lord of our lives, then he rules and reigns within us. And learning how to honor authority is one of the big lessons in God's curriculum for your life. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of honor. This is why honoring God is part of the vision of our church. God is the ultimate authority. And our relationship with him is reflected in our relationship with people. Our relationship with God is reflected in our relationships, especially with those in authority. God is the ultimate authority. And part of the vision of our church is to honor God. Our relationship with God is not divided. It's not segmented. It's not detached from the rest of life. Your relationship with God is meant to find its way into every aspect of your life. No part of life, no thought, no word, no action, no relationship is unrelated. And this includes your relationship to governing authority. The Apostle Paul teaches very clearly on this subject in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. The principles found in this passage can be difficult to apply But I trust God's word will encourage you in the process. Today, we are beginning a four-week journey in the book of Romans, covering chapters 13, 14, and 15. In chapters 1 through 12, the Apostle Paul explains why we need Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our lives. He explains what happens when we do that. He teaches what it means to have a new life in Christ. He teaches us about faith. And he teaches us about our identity in Christ. Now, having explained the Christian life, Paul begins to show us what that looks like in real life. 
he talks about how we can live the life in a way that's real. This series is entitled Authentic, as in authentic Christian living. In today's message, I'll talk about authentic Christianity in relation to authority. More specifically, I'll talk about honoring those in government. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, Romans 13, beginning in verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So, anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. The government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Well, you might say to yourself, you know, I came here today to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and now you're telling me I have to pay taxes? I mean, how is this good news? Well, that's only part of the passage. Uh, Let's take this one verse at a time. The first reality found in this passage is stated in verse 1. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. All authority is from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. If there's a government, God put it there. There is no authority except from God. The greatest, the greatest human ruler should humbly confess he is where he is, by virtue of God's sovereign appointment. Now, you might ask, does this really apply to all government leaders? Really? Paul knew from Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, that God removes kings and he sets up kings, all kings. They are all under God's control. He puts them in office and he takes them out of office. So the answer is yes. Romans 13.1 applies to all rulers, both good and bad. All authority, all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, you might think of some evil regimes throughout history and say, really? I mean, this presents a challenge. We look out at the world, and then we look at this text, and then we look out at the world, and then we look at this text, and we say to ourselves, How do I resolve this? I mean, I'm trying to trust God's word, but I look at government and I say, wow, (laughs) is that really established by the Lord? You may be encouraged to know that the early Christians struggled with this teaching probably more than you do. Remember, they went through tremendous persecution in their generation. This letter was written by Paul to the Christians in Rome 
in about 58 AD. And one of the Roman rulers in that generation was Nero. You may have heard of Nero. Nero used to take Christians and put them on poles and burn them as human lanterns just for his garden parties. Nero decreed that his horse would be a senator in the Roman Senate. Nero was crazy, and he was demonic. Can you imagine the Christians in Rome reading this passage for the very first time during the time of Nero? And yet, in the same way that God used Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar in history to accomplish his purpose, he also used the Roman government in ways that no one could understand at the time. I'm encouraged that this isn't the only place in Scripture that affirms this truth. Otherwise, we might be tempted to dismiss it or maybe to ignore the idea. But we have a couple other points in history where Scripture reveals the very same thing. You will be encouraged to know that Jesus affirmed this also. Remember when Jesus was on trial and he stood before Pilate? And Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority either to free you or to crucify you? And what did Jesus say? He said, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. You would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. Jesus could not have made it more clear. Pilate was an evil man. He killed people in the town next door while they were offering sacrifices and he mixed their blood with the offering. He was a cynic. In one conversation with Jesus, he said, what is true? He was cynical and he was heartless. And yet Jesus said, you would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from on high. The Apostle Paul also role modeled this very truth. Do you remember when he was brought before the religious leaders? He was put on trial and somebody hit him in the face. And he turned to one of the leaders and he said, you whitewashed wall. I'm sure you never went to one of your people that you had an argument with and said, you whitewashed wall. (laughs) But what that means is you hypocrite. And so Paul got hit and he turned to one of the leaders and he said, you hypocrite. And everybody in the room went, why did they do that? And one of them said, that's the high priest. And Paul said, oh. Brothers, excuse me, I am so sorry. I did not know that was the high priest. Why did Paul retract? Because he understood in God's kingdom that we are not to speak evil of our rulers. So Jesus and Paul both affirm this. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Even if a ruler is evil, I want to encourage you with a greater reality. Even if a ruler is evil, I want to encourage you with a greater reality. God is using all things to build his kingdom. Remember, out of the kingdom of man, God is building a kingdom for himself. He's building and he's battling and he's not about to lose. We're not alone. The world is not just human governments filling their pockets, dominating and manipulating and controlling Yes, the kingdom of darkness is characterized by domination, manipulation, and control. But the kingdom of God is advancing, and even the gates of hell cannot prevent it. John 5, 17, Jesus said, My father is always at work, 
and I too am working. Translation, God is always doing more than you know. Somebody say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is always doing more than you know. I'll give you an example. Every two years, our ministry gathers all the pastors in Asia. It's called APEC. A-P-E-C stands for Asian Pastors Equipping Conference. And every time we gather, there's a few who sneak in who may not be pastors in Asia. They might be from North America or Africa. And so our ministry president, Steve Merle, he jokingly says, you know, maybe we should change the name to the All Pastors Equipping Conference. And if anybody else sneaks in, we're going to change it to the All Peoples Equipping Conference. And so every year, it seems, there's a few extra people that join us. And so four years ago at APEC, we were in Manila, and we had the Guam delegation all sitting at one table. And joining us at our table was former Governor Felix Camacho. And during one of the break times, uh, we went over to the mall to go do some shopping, And he told me a very interesting story about when he first ran for governor back in 2002. He was running, if you recall, against Robert Underwood. And he was way behind in the polls. He was so far behind, he was actually thinking, you know what? I've got better things to do with my life. Maybe I'll just drop out of the race. And then one night, he went to a church service. There was a visiting speaker from off-island. And it was a long day, and he had things to do, and he kind of snuck out a little bit early before the meeting was actually completely over. And out in the parking lot, some people ran up and caught up with him. He said, don't, don't go yet. Um, the speaker, you know, wants to share something with you. And I love it when there's parking lot ministry. You know, after church, go out there and have parking lot ministry. <laughs> so the speaker came out, and he actually had a word for, for, from the Lord for him. He said, a season of promotion is upon you. And the Lord will lower every mountain and he will level every valley so you can run this race with success. And he was encouraged to continue. And as you know the rest of the story, he became a two-time governor of Guam. The reason I share all of this, this is another way of saying to you, if you focus your attention on the newspapers, if you focus on polls and surveys, you might get insight into what people think but that will not tell you what God is doing. Every authority is established by God, and he is always doing more than you know. Amen? Let's move on to verse 2. Romans 13.2. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't disagree on certain issues, or that you have to like everything your government does. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree with things said in a speech by a government official. It doesn't mean you have to like everything and agree with it. To rebel in this context means to stand against, to fundamentally be opposed as your life position to government in general, and to oppose its authority and to oppose the idea of authority in government. This is to rebel. And look at what the Bible says. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Verse 3. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like 
to live without fear of authorities, then do what is right, and they will honor you. Now, don't take this to an extreme. We all know there are times in some lives where we have to be like Peter who said, we must obey God rather than man. And this is what the Egyptian midwives did when Pharaoh tried to kill all the little boys because the Israelites were becoming too numerous and he felt threatened. And the midwives, they disobeyed the Pharaoh. They let the little boys live. And so there are moments and there are times when you must stand for what is right. Thank God for those who opposed Hitler. Thank God for those who take a stand for righteousness. It's okay to take a stand for social or political or spiritual issues because you choose to stand for good. And there are times, there will be times, when God calls you to do so. That's not the same thing as being a rebel. A rebellious person opposes the idea of government having authority and certainly doesn't believe in the idea that God establishes governing authority. A rebel is someone who is self-centered and will not. They will not be under any authority. According to verse 2, that kind of person brings punishment and a curse upon themselves. It's important that we not be rebellious and bring a curse upon ourselves. Nevertheless, some rulers are good, some governments are good, and some are bad. Some reward the right and they punish the wrong, and others do the reverse. Most of governments do a little bit of both. Therefore, the instruction to be subject to government is relative. It is not absolute. It depends. It depends on whether the demands of the governing authorities require us to disobey Jesus. You know, there's two ways, well, I should say there's one way that you can obey both God and man. Let's say, for example, you had a religious belief that you did not believe in war. And so you're a conscientious objector. You might refuse the draft. And the government says, well, if you disobey, you're going to go to jail for two years. And you can obey both God and man. You can say, okay, I won't go to war, but I'll also go to jail for two years. I submit to both. And that way you find your way out of being able to be right with God in your relationship to authority. It depends on whether the demands of governing authorities require us to disobey Jesus. By the way, I wasn't promoting avoiding the draft. I was using that as an example. Some people actually have that as their conscience. There are other Christians who say David was the greatest warrior that ever lived. And there is a place for that. And there are camps on both sides. I'm talking about living according to your conscience. There is a way to do both. Now, if the government did require you to disobey, then you will not be subject at that point. If it required you to disobey God, you would not be subject on that particular point. And then we would have to say with Peter, I will obey God rather than man. I will honor God above the state. Either way, know this. God is at work in government. In a good government, he's working to preserve righteousness and to punish evil. In a bad government, in an abusive, oppressive, murderous, unjust government, he is also at work, bringing judgment and retribution upon an ungodly culture. Either way, God is present in the social order. He is sovereign. All government comes from God. No tyrant 
ever seized power unless our sovereign God allowed it. And somehow, I know this is difficult for us to understand, but somehow, within the sovereignty of God, he uses it to fulfill his purpose. He uses governments to accomplish his purpose. The Bible says the hearts of kings are like water in his hands. He can direct them as he pleases. This leads us to the next point. Authorities are God's servants. Romans verse 13, verse 4. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Verse 5. So you must submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. And pay your taxes too for the same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Verse 4 says they are sent for your good. Now that's an amazing statement. Because we are not talking about a preacher here. We are talking about a government official. They are God's servants sent for your good. And this changes everything. If you get this down in your heart, this changes everything. The history of our country is slowly forgetting its history. In the corporate memory of America, we are slowly forgetting our history. But it used to be said in the early era of our country that the church and state are similar in faith but different in function. Similar in faith but different in function. What does that mean? What that means is this. Both are ordained by God. They play different roles in society, but they are both instituted by God. In practical terms, it means this. Governmental authorities are just as called as pastors are. They're just as called as leaders in the church. Verse 4 says the authorities are God's servants. And this is why we should honor those in authority. Their role is equally significant in the sovereignty of God. Do you want protection? Do you want safety? Do you want to lead a quiet and peaceful life? Do you want your power to be turned back on? (laughs) The government is there for this purpose. Thank God for GPA. The purpose of authority is to protect and to provide, to protect and serve, whether it's the job of a, pol- of a policeman or the governor of Guam or the president of the United States. The purpose of authority is to protect those who are doing good and serve them and serve the community, whether he's a Christian or not. He is still a minister of God in that institution. Remember, God is sovereign, and we are called to submit. God is the source of government. So to rebel is to rebel against God, and to rebel brings punishment. On the other hand, when we honor authority, we are to do it out of reverence for God, not reverence for the ruler. You know, God has stripped rulers of their final authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, Jesus is the boss. They are not God. God is God. And when we submit, we should submit as unto the Lord. 1 Peter 2.13, Peter said, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In other words, keeping the speed limit, 
is a way to honor God. And it's a way to honor government. Verse 7. Give to everyone you owe. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Our last point here is we honor God as we honor government. All authorities are from God. Therefore, do not rebel. If I was to summarize, I would say this. All the four points so far. All authorities are from God. Therefore, do not rebel. They are servants of God. And therefore, we are, we are to honor God by honoring our government. I just want to encourage you with the illustration of, um, you know, when, when there's a homemade tapestry, sometimes they hang it by a long piece of wood and they're weaving all the different threads. If you were to stand at the backside of the tapestry of a homemade carpet, you might see sticks and strings and all kinds of colors and you can't really make out what's being made. You would have to get on the other side of that carpet to look at the design that the creator has in mind. In the same way, our life is like standing on the backside of the tapestry. And we see all these things that look kind of confusing and chaotic. But we have to wait until we get to the other side of eternity and we can look back and we see how God was using all the things throughout history, even human governments, in order to accomplish his purpose. Remember, out of the kingdom of man, God is developing a kingdom for himself. Amen? Here's something else that will encourage us in this process of honoring government. You know, sometimes you hear it said, don't honor the person, honor the position. You know, you might disagree with the president on some of his stances, but you can honor the office of the presidency. Well, I think we can go one step further and do a little bit better than that. Every single person is created in the image of God. If for no other reason... If for no other reason, just because they're a human being, they deserve to be honored because they bear the image of God. Amen? Amen. God is watching to see how we're going to respond to people and authority around us. One example, very notable example, is King Nebuchadnezzar, probably one of the greatest rulers in all of history, built a vast kingdom without media. One day he stood at the top of his palace and he looked over his entire kingdom and he said, I have built all this by my hand. He did not give honor to whom honor was due. He did not not acknowledge that his position came from God and every breath, every heartbeat that he had came from God. But he took credit for himself and he did not honor God. And as a result, the Bible says he lost his mind. He went crazy for seven years crawling around on the ground like an animal where his nails grew out like claws and his hair grew down, oily and stringy, eating grass and the dew of the ground for seven years until he came to his senses and he looked up to heaven and he honored God and he thanked God. And at that point, God restored his mind and restored him to leadership. This is a way of saying to you that when you honor God in your relationships, in your endeavors, in your life, he will honor you. Amen? When you honor God by honoring the authorities around you, God will see that, and God will honor you as you honor others. Let's pray. Father in heaven,
thank you for your word. Lord, many parts of your word are difficult to put into practice. Lord, some of it, apart from you, impossible. Lord, only you can give us the humility and the ability to honor the way Jesus did. And so, God, we ask that you would enable us, that you would equip us, that you would renew our minds with your word, wash our minds with the water of your word. Lord, cleanse our hearts and remove any hindrances that would keep us from being able to honor you and to honor others. Father, it's a part of the great command. Lord, you commanded us to love you and to love one another. And honor is a significant way, Lord, that we can live that out in a way that's real in our everyday life. And so, God, we ask that you would impart your heart and that you would give us your mind and that you would change us, transform us from the inside out in our relationships with our parents, with our bosses, with governmental authorities around us. God, help us to be like Jesus and to give honor to whom honor is due. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm imagining there may be some here today that the reason that you're here is because you feel like God is tugging at your heart. He's been getting your attention. And you're here today not just because it's a Sunday morning, but because you're responding to what God is doing. And if that describes you, if it sounds like you, and you've never made a choice, a formal choice, to invite God into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And the way that'll happen is I'm just going to pray out loud, and you can pray along with me. Just hitchhike on my words, and God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with, and I have a little signal for that, and that is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that sounds like you and something that you would like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we're going to pray in a moment. Okay? Anybody? Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, I see you. Don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else? Okay, let's pray. God, I come before you today because you've been trying to get my attention. Lord, I know you're there. You've been drawing me to yourself. And so I'm here today. God, I'm making a decision to turn to you, to open up to you. And so God, I want to invite you to come into my life. I'm opening my heart. I'm opening my mind. And I'm inviting you to come in and show yourself to me, make yourself real to me. And Lord, I also ask that you would give me a new start, a new beginning. Things have not been going so well. Lord, that's part of how you've been getting my attention. There are things that I've done that I'm not proud of. Lord, things that have hurt myself or others. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for everything that I have done. I thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins, and I receive your forgiveness, and I receive your spirit into my spirit, and I ask you to make me the kind of person you want me to be. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who prayed that prayer, let me ask you to do one thing. If you would either come on up here after the service or over to the visitor table, we have a little gift for you. It's a little booklet called One to One. And that'll help you get established in the Bible and get established in your relationship with God. But we also want you to get established in your relationship with people here at Life in the Sun. And so I want to encourage you not just to read that to yourself, but I want you to pair up with somebody, somebody else that you know also has a relationship with God so that you can learn from each other and grow together. It's better to experience God together. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.